Welcome to Restaurant Influencers powered by Entrepreneur Media and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. In life and in the restaurant business, we learn through lessons and stories. Today's guest is Shaz Khan of Tono Pizzeria and Cheesesteaks in Minnesota. Five locations, soon to be six locations. Shaz, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So I put everybody through a drill in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, anybody that's listening to the show, it's so important to have an elevator pitch, a two-minute drill. So first off, I'm going to ask you a random question. I want to know where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? I would have to say Anaheim or Orange, California. Um, I forgot the name of the stadium, but uh, I don't know. You know, navigation is a big thing for me. So like getting in and out, <laughs> it was just very convenient. And it's funny you asked that because I've thought about that. Really? So An Anaheim, where the Angels play? Uh, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Where the Angels play. So we're going to go back to Anaheim. We're going to get Toast, who's the primary uh, sponsor of this podcast, who's our primary technology partner. We're going to get them to sponsor a hospitality conference, all the best leaders, like a, a real cool hospitality conference where we're actually going to learn something. We're going to make some big moves and I'm going to put you right where the pitcher is. And I'm going to give you a <laughs> mic and give you two minutes to tell me who you are and what do you do? Can you do it? I love it. Let's right go. Now? There we go. Right. 120 seconds. Cool. I'll probably take less than that. My name is Shaz Khan. I'm co-owner, co-founder of Tono Pizzeria plus Cheesesteaks. We are a fast, casual cheesesteak and pizza quick service restaurant. Food is pictured behind me, again, in this all too famous background that I've got on Zoom, although I'd love for it to be in real life too. Um, I'm partnered with primarily my business partner and best friend of going on 20 years, Antonio Gambino. There's a joke in there somewhere with his last name. He's the foodie. Um, you know, he designed the entire menu based on a long legacy, 82 year old recipes, um, New York style pizza shrunken down to a personal size, uh, cooked in a brick oven. And uh, his mom's from Philly. So, um, you know, he had asked me if I wanted to open up once upon a time, a, uh, a cheesesteak restaurant at that time, that was the goal. Uh, I was like, what's a cheesesteak? We flew out to Philly, uh, you know, did the whole taste test. I was on a treadmill for like two months, came back. And, uh, after that, the rest is history. So yeah, we fly our rolls in from the East coast. Um, very authentic food. Um, you'd have to come and try it, check out our reviews and, uh, you know, everyone continues to seem to be loving it. So we're continuing to give them what more of what they want. How does one open up a business with their best friend? That's a really good question, man. Um, the challenges are many, and I don't think I was, I, I think I was underprepared for many of them because, you know, the old adage, don't uh, get into business with friends. Um, I think that's only really a thing because of the natural communication gaps that can occur between people who are that close. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, we did a lot of not just self, but like group development, um, early on in our formative years when it comes to, uh, in terms of that partnership. And so we got very clear on what questions we needed to ask and what style of communication we needed to implement in order to convey, um, everything on the range of anger to disappointment, to, um, you know, elation, um, and the clearer that communication got and the more, uh, we utilized those particular goals and, and channels, um, the easier it was to communicate difficult things. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where I'm sure he can say the same. Uh, I wanted to tear his face off because we just weren't seeing eye to eye on things. 
but eventually you learn how to work through those things and you develop a new normal, if you will. And we all know that term now. Right. Um, and, uh, you just, uh, you know, you keep, you keep it rolling. So, um, it's not easy, but, um, it's worth it. So I had the fortune of, uh, interviewing David Dressler, who, um, is the founder, one of the founders of Tender Greens, a brand that we highly admire. And they named their corporation 10-year plan restaurant group, the TYP restaurant group. So like they had this vision for what their restaurant group, you know, two best friends, three best friends coming together to build out something incredible to eventually exit. It's something that many restaurant owners don't ever think about, the exit. Um, Have you and Antonio talked about an exit? What was the plan? Was it one restaurant now that you guys are up to six? You know, talk us through through the, the formation and, and what the actual plan is. Absolutely. I love that question a lot. Um, part of the spiel that I gave earlier about who I am, uh, I failed to mention that my background is actually not in the restaurant industry. It comes from uh, my form, my formal education is in electrical engineering. And uh, I became kind of a self-taught coder. So I know a bunch of programming languages. And so I have an affinity for business numbers, math, and somehow marketing as well. So I'm told. And um, that's, that's kind of my background. Um, you know, and when that pairs well and fits, uh, you know, hand in glove with his skill set, which is industry specific. And so when we got together, you know, the goal was really just to do something together because it was fun and we could do it. And it was kind of a little bit of a risk for both of us. And uh, what it has become is this long discussion about, you know, what the evolution of the brands look like. And when I say brands, because there's a sister brand that predates Tono that we both had started as well called Frank from Philly and Andrea Pizza, similar menu style, but catered to college, uh, college towns. Um, as that conversa- conversation evolved about what that, uh, you know, what the future looks like, you know, of course, Strategy number one, when you first start is like, let's get up and going, like, you know, let's, let's get the doors open, let's um, make a mark, Um, then it becomes, uh, you know, I would say, uh, scaling, you know, and part of the scaling conversation is logistics and systems, this, of course, where I come in. And um, as we move forward, the goal was, you know, the conversation shifted uh, about what the goal should be. So not only sustaining the organization from all of the pillars that it needs to sustain it, meaning finance, operations, um, you know, the, uh, having the right people in the right seat, as they say, but also, um, you know, what does that long-term exit look like? And so we made the decision of actually bringing in a couple more of our friends um, who into our partnership, one specifically dealing with real estate um, acquisitions and uh, brokering and the other in construction, because we knew that these two people were not only really good friends of ours, also having a great business acumen, but also bringing a piece of the puzzle to the team um, for us to continue to expand and scale. And I think what I want to highlight there is that, you know, as long as everyone is familiar with what their expertise is, and there is kind of a role to play for everybody, that is the impetus, in my opinion, of doing great business in order to even be able to answer the question of what the future looks like and what an exit looks like, because you don't know what you don't know. And me, not having ever been a construction or real estate or even, matter of fact, a food person at some point, once I'm introduced to another person's passion, expertise, and knowledge base, it is only by the identification of the factors that they introduce me to that I can open my mind to understand what an exit could potentially look like, because otherwise I'm stuck in the naivety of, you know, my worldview of what I think an exit is, and I could be potentially self-limiting and limiting the brand as well. So to finally answer your question, we're looking to continue to scale 
regionally, develop the logistics necessary to support that. We're on this path of determining whether or not we want to franchise, don't want to franchise, what that looks like, and eventually find ourselves either having hospitality, meaning this entire endeavor uh, as a whole, as one arm of our um, you know, income-producing avenues, um, and stay, keep it like that, having all of the pieces and people in place to continue to operate that, uh, that conglomerate, or uh, you know, potentially, you know, having ourselves having built something rather that is, uh, you know, it's representative of uh, a, a large legacy and is worth something to somebody else that might want to take our place. So we have a lot of uh, restaurant owners, hospitality professionals, but when we think of independent restaurants, when you go from one location to two locations to three to where you guys are, can you talk us through the, the challenges, the, the biggest challenges that you had from scaling? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure if my answer is necessarily going to be reflective of what people normally do because my neuroses are many. And <laughs> I think our challenges may have been a result, in fact, of those neuroses. But nevertheless, um, you know, again, uh, being an engineer at heart, um, you know, my whole thing is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so when we opened our sister brand first, um, there were there were improvements that I had made uh, based on what I saw Antonio doing when he was operating the restaurant. Mind you, again, I, I'm not operations. I just said, hey, do what you say needs to be done or think needs to be done to run this restaurant. And then I'll witness it. I'll collect some data, you know, and I'll do some spot checking and I'll see where I, where I think there's improvement. And so we literally went from, you know, him writing like paper schedule, like paper pencil schedules to utilizing apps, to upgrading from a back office POS to a cloud-based POS, et cetera, et cetera, right? So systemizing this business. And, um, you know, as we scaled, um, the goal was just to copy paste all of that. Well, right around two to three restaurants, I realized that the copy paste wasn't even going to suffice anymore, right? Because you're outgrowing certain processes. They're becoming too vast or there's too many people involved um, in order for that solution to work. So you kind of have to level up, not kind of, you have to level up on another enterprise level, if you will, solution um, for something that used to work, but no longer does. One of those right now, for example, even now is um, employee record management. You know, so we recently switched over to like Toast Payroll. I'll be honest, Toast Payroll doesn't, I know they're, they're a sponsor here, but you know, they love my candor too, right? They love the candor. Well, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into the tech partnerships next, but go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it doesn't do a great job of, of um, having a UI that supports like document archival, multiple locations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we're, we're looking for, you know, a solution that is able to give our operations team the ability to quickly sift and sort through um, our staff based on a variety of metrics, you know, what, what wage range are they, which locations have they been at, when did they get hired, where are their documents at, um, who's scheduled for what. Right now, I think this is an industry-wide issue, except for maybe like the super big dogs where they can afford like a customized software platform, but it's all about automation and, and implementation of integrations. A lot of uh, alliteration there. Yeah. Um, and we're just trying to, you know, minimize the number of systems that we're using. And if we can't minimize them, then at least increase the communication between those systems and platforms to have as much of as close as possible to a singular platform to be able to make most efficient our operations. 
So you're part of the Toast Advisory uh, Board, Customer Advisory Board, CAB, um, just like I am. That's how we that's how we met. It's one of the things that we talk about on this show and we talk about all the time is that there's never been a time where restaurant owners, hospitality professionals can develop deep relationships with huge technology companies like we have done with Toast and that they're willing, the best companies will be willing for that candor. They'll be willing to receive the candor in a way that is systematized so that they can actually make improvements. Uh, why did you join the Toast Customer Advisory Board and why someone listening to this show, should someone develop a deeper, deeper relationship with their technology partners? Yeah, um, great question again, man. I love your questions, dude. <laughs> I, I do this a lot, so I better I be. Tell. I better be bringing it. <laughs> I can tell you're definitely bringing it. Um, it's important because if you leave software companies, fintech companies, just technology partners, if you leave them to do what they think is best, then you're always going to get someone else's version of what you need, and not necessarily what you need. And the fact that this is a company and, um, you know, I think the industry is moving towards this, that is offering uh, a forum, a podium, literally a stage for people like ourselves to be valued, to be seen as value member to the communities and due to that value have a voiced opinion in which we can genuinely and on a very like boots on the ground level influence change within their entire ecosystem I think says a lot about a their dedication to becoming a successful technology partner, a successful company, uh, making their constituents feel that they're heard, and also providing, like I was first mentioning, the solutions that are actually needed because the people telling them what we want, well, they're the people who are using it the most. So, um, I mean, you just when when a company does that, you you really can't go wrong because you're not relying on your historical instincts or just data points you're talking to real people yeah how do you gain brand traction in a new market i think that's a question that's going to be specific to markets and perhaps even food styles um but i can answer what what we do right um you know, for us, authenticity is very important. Like, as they'd say, you know, if the food ain't good, then what are you even doing, right? And um, that's the first thing is to establish quality and make sure it's not biased quality, but rather the quality that is spoken upon you and not the one that you're speaking, right? So that's number one. Um, you know, we've got a great story to tell. Uh, it's not one that needs to be fabricated. The story kind of tells itself. And as a result, we highlight that story. And so anytime I, I really do feel that consumers in general, um, myself, of course, being one of them in, different, uh, in a different regard, um, we're all consumers in some way. And I would ask the question, you know, what makes me feel gravitated towards a certain brand? Um, the answer to that question is always, you know, I feel some kind of connection. I feel like there's a story that I'm really interested in or inspired by. And so we make sure that everything about the brand from the colors to the logo, to the food, to the experience, to the smell, I mean, everything is representative of what that story is and what the you know what experience we want people to leave with and that really you know it's a slow pace because we're not using some viral marketing trend that's going to result in an influx of six million views right away you know two percent of which walk in the door that's great don't get me wrong great um marketing tactic but as far as brand traction that's a long play and i think it it's definitely based on that uh that story building 
And now a quick break from restaurant influencers to welcome the newest sponsor to our show, Pop Menu. We got to spend an entire weekend at Chicago for the National Restaurant Association show with the Pop Menu team. Absolutely incredible. Couldn't be more impressed with the technology that they are powering restaurants with to improve their digital hospitality. I got to interview Brendan Sweeney and Tony Roy, two of the co-founders. We cannot wait to continue to share all the cool things that they're doing to help your restaurant succeed. One of the coolest tools they have is Pop Menu Answering for Restaurants. Not answering your phone is one of the quickest ways for your restaurant to lose a potential customer. That's why your restaurant needs Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating? What are your hours? And with Pop Menu, you can customize your answers, choose the voice your guest hears, and even create customized greetings. Plus, Pop Menu's full collection of tools helps optimize your website and menu, streamline the ordering experience, and assist in remarketing. Reclaim the power of your phone now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, our listeners get $100 off the first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash influencers. Once again, that's popmenu.com slash influencers. We appreciate Pop Menu sponsorship, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So in the hospitality business, we spend so much time giving back, giving of ourselves to our team, giving of ourselves to our customers, giving to our community. Very rarely do we take care of ourselves. Um, it's one of the things I struggled with as a restaurant owner. Uh, what do you do to take care of yourselves, to take care of you? That's a really good question, man. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm struggling with that right now, you know, because for a while when we were in our earlier stages of growth, um, and had fewer uh, locations, I was, like I said, in that copy-paste mode. So that was easy for me, easier for me to do because I had established an understanding of what needed to be done. And, you know, I just pop that solution in, turn it on, slight configuration, we're ready to go. And I found myself loving that a lot because it left me with um, a lot more time to do the things that I enjoy, you know, go on walks, travel, et cetera. Um, as we're scaling more locations, and I had mentioned that, you know, we're looking for solutions that uh, are above and beyond the ones that are, uh, you, you know, not uh, not conducive to to where we are at in terms of our, our market scale. Um, I'm finding myself with less and less time because, you know, some of the time is, is spent managing what we do have in place. And the rest of the time is spent uh, trying to identify better solutions you know, they call it growing pains when you're in this like, you know, small going into medium sized business. Um, and I know those are arbitrary terms, but it really does feel like that. Um, so I know it's an ebb and a flow, you know, in terms of like time commitment. Um, and uh, I am hoping that once, the, once those solutions are identified that, uh, you know, I can get back to uh, jumping on a plane and, uh, you know, just visiting different places in the world, because that's truly what that, that, that truly is what inspires me just being able to like interact with different people, different cultures, music, food. Um, it just reminds me that the world isn't as small of a place and as disconnected of a place as sometimes even the media uh, wants us to feel or think. Um, and, you know, I, I guess when you're happy, then the things you do end up being happy and people around you are happy, right? Yeah, I think that's important. And I appreciate your candor and sharing, you know, your vulnerability of saying that you aren't doing it. Well, 
what can you do? What, what can you say to, to us to, to make a commitment now for yourself? Obviously, travel is important. I mean, how, how do you make that commitment and how do you follow through on it? Yeah, I, uh, I think it's hard. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I know so many people listening to this show. For me, I worked in our restaurant for 10 years, you know, 10 years before I ever thought that I could go to Bulgaria for longer than two weeks. I go to yeah. visit my wife and my wife's family and spend time there. And now for the last four years since I've had kids, I'm going for a month. But I'm nice. also going for a month because I have internet access. So I've, I've prioritized it. I've made it a priority. What, what can you do to make it a priority to do the things that you love and still scale? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the number one lesson that I'm learning, and, and my partners will, will probably laugh at this too, is um, you know, learning the art of delegation. Um, and I say the art of because delegating isn't a problem, but not, um, I wouldn't even say micromanaging, but not trying to involve oneself and um, you know, trying to prevent every single small mistake because yeah. I've been there. Is is certainly a challenge. So you know, allowing that you know that eighty twenty, allowing people to make uh, you know mistakes twenty percent of the time, if you will, and uh, just trust that they're going to learn from those things and that they're going to handle things in a manner that perhaps could even exceed your wildest dreams, and thereby developing the mental comfort to be able to step away and therefore have a clearer calendar to 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 do the things that you know you want to do. I mean, if I want to just you know, chill for a day, if I want to uh, have a barbecue, if I want to go to Bulgaria for a month, um, you know, that that's all based on, um, you know, not just my calendar, but my perception of my calendar. That's powerful. Your perception of your calendar is, it is very valuable. Do you have any stories of any mentors or any times that you've reached out vulnerably and asked for help? And kind of someone gave you an oh shit, I can't believe I didn't ask for this sooner. Yeah, actually. Um, so I'm based in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, and our <clears throat> sister city is Minneapolis. And um, one of my uh, mentors at some point uh, is a gentleman by the name of Bill George, um, who was former CEO of Medtronic, which is a big uh, med tech company based out here. And um, I was I had the fortune of meeting him through um, a previous endeavor of mine. Um, the World Economic Forum has a branch, if you will, called the Young Global Leaders, which is like 30 to 40 year olds that are looking to become more active in terms of their uh, social impact and, and entrepreneurship um, and uh, political affiliations. But then they, they, they have another arm when, when I was in my 20s for 20 to 30 year olds uh, called the Global Shapers. And uh, this was basically like, uh, you know, working towards being that YGL, that young global leader. Um, so you could kind of end up at Davos and, and, you know, hang with the big dogs and just learn and be inspired by people who have such a large social impact. But um, anyway, yeah, he had written a book called True North and um, he gave me a copy, which I still have. And it was just talking about how to be an authentic leader. And, um, you know, the the impact that being an authentic leader has, what that means, um, you know, this reference to true north, one's internal compass. Um, it was it was really powerful to me. And, and perhaps now in a day and age where there's so many podcasts and so many resources and information like this is readily accessible at one's fingertips, maybe it's not as profound, but nevertheless, I find it to be timeless because, you know, again, like I'm a, I'm a book person. Um, like podcasts are cool. Um, this is cool. You know, uh, TikTok videos are cool, but I found that the more I let myself focus on, on those little like bits of knowledge or, or, you know, the, the little hooks, the 22nd gotcha, get, get your attention things. 
like they can be very powerful, but they don't necessarily uh, establish like the framework and the groundwork that truly, um, you know, creates the motion for action to occur. And he just did a phenomenal job in this book. And, and when he, when I was, I was able to have this little Q and A session with him on that book and, um, you know, just the information that, that he shared with me and from his own personal experiences, I mean, to your point about what you do by yourself about, you know, uh, illnesses within family and uh, how one copes with, you know, relationships and uh, things like that. Like these are all, we're human and being in this industry, let alone any fast paced industry, and uh, being in a position where you influence so many people, uh, people's livelihoods, um, you know, it, it really, there, there's, there's a large, um, I'm not going to call it a burden that has a negative connotation, but, but there's a large responsibility there yeah. and to be able to be able to, to be able to balance that while also um, extending the necessary leadership to balance your own life and do what, do what's right um, is, is really important. So that was kind of mind blowing to me. We do uh, every week, we do a social shout out. So people that are listening to the show that are supporting the show, following us on social at Cali BBQ Media. Uh, we do a weekly clubhouse call on Wednesdays and Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, people, my grandfather taught me to stay curious, to get involved and to ask for help. Nobody listens to a podcast. No one watches a video unless you're curious, unless you want to level up, scale up, be better. But then you actually have to do something with that information. You know, what you said, you actually have to implement that information. You have to get involved. Um, so the people that do get involved, we like to give them a shout out. And this week's shout out is going to Tracy Molino. Uh, she is the owner of Coglins 10. Uh, you can find them at Coglins 10 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's been joining the clubhouse call. She's been making content, uh, making Instagram reels, doing TikTok, doing all the things that we talk about on the show. But what would your advice be to her if she plans on seeing what you guys have done? Has she going from one unit to six units? What advice would you give to her? I would say that make sure you're surrounding yourself with a strong team, um, you know, vet everybody that you're surrounding yourself with as you make those hires or even increase your, um, you know, your, your partnership, if that's the case, um, everything is built on trust. And again, I, I know that's, that's either going to be very obvious um, or very profound. Um, I found that the best relationships are built on trust and having people around you that you can trust, not just in an operational um, uh, framework, but, but as a, as a human being, you know, uh, the more you have that, the more I think you're going to find it in yourself to do, do right by those people. Right. And it's, it's a give and take. And the more of that give and take there is, uh, I, I feel like the more success we're going to feel in its true essence, because let's be honest, you know, um, in my, well, in my perspective, having whatever, you know, a thousand locations, that itself can't be the definition of success. Scaling itself cannot be success. The money itself can't be success. Um, it, there has to be a team that you trust to enjoy the journey with. And it really is about that journey. So don't forget to have fun along the way. Um, but yeah, having, having people you trust is, is huge. So if somebody is in your area, they come, or let's say the Cali Barbecue Media team, we show up. Um, what are we ordering from Tonos? 
<laughs> well, you have to order a margarita. <laughs> because... Besides what's besides what's pictured behind you, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, Shaz shows up to every uh, cus- toast customer advisory board with the uh, the cheesesteak and pizza in the back. Which ones are those? If if what menu items are those behind? Yeah, you? Yeah. So um, this is the I got to get my bearings right here. This is the uh, number three, I believe, the supreme. Um, so our cheesesteaks are yeah. So it's um, you know prime uh, prime cut. Um, we have green peppers in there. That's cheese whiz, which again, people are like hate it or love it, but it's a very like authentic, uh, you know, Philly, uh, cheesesteak thing. We do have cheese options It's served on a bed of fries. There's some garlic aioli there as well on the side. This is the fungo pizza. Um, I believe it's number 16. It's uh, white sauce with uh, mushrooms and truffle oil. Um, if you were to show up, I would highly recommend, um, and I, this is like emblematic of all pizza places, but you have to get the margarita because truly that is, if you walk into a pizza place and you want to know if it's authentic and you want to know like what's good, get the cheese or get the margarita. That's how you know whether the menu is good and whether it's authentic. And you'll know, you don't even have to be a pizza snob. You'll just know, right? So I'd I'd, I'd totally make you get that. And then uh, our number one, which is our, uh, you know, our standard cheesesteak, the South Philly, we call it. which also can be ordered with different cheese for people who, uh, you know, cheese whiz isn't their thing. Provolone or American or pepper jack uh, is, is also an option. That's what I'd recommend. We have this awesome dessert pizza too. It's a chocolate hazelnut uh, dessert. So it's our uh, famed pizza crust, um, but spread with uh, chocolate hazelnut on and um, powdered sugar uh, cut into slices. So it's a fan favorite of uh, families and kids. That's awesome. So if, uh, if listeners, they want to interact with your brand, what, what digital playground are you guys most active? Probably Instagram. Um, you know, people it's food, people love photos. Um, you know, we stay engaged on, on pretty much every platform. Um, you know, Facebook, uh, I, I found that, uh, you know, our social team describes and brings data to us on kind of what types of interactions are occurring on what platform. Um, you know, Instagram's usually a little more uh, easygoing, if you will. You know, people just interacting with food, photos, saying they love it, yeah. going to stop by, stories. Facebook is a bit more formal. What hours are you open, et cetera? And, um, you know, we obviously have our website too, where people, let me ask you a question real quick. Sure. So we have uh, some contact feedback forms on our website as well. And traditionally, like being a, you know, a consumer, not once in my life have I ever emailed a restaurant. Like, I don't care how small or large it is. I just don't do it. And, and yep. you know, whether I, I, I'll call a place, sure, but I've never really like email. And this isn't a good or bad thing. I'm just really curious because it's so different from what I was expecting. Um, we get a ton of emails. Like people reach out via email for everything from refunds to an experience comment to, Hey, great job to, Hey, uh, you know, do you have positions open? And mind you, some of this information is available on the website, but Mm -hmm. I just find it so fascinating that, uh, you know, there's such a large percentage of people that are reaching out using email for restaurants. Like if I, like in my mind, if I ever email the restaurant, I'm not expecting a response back. Somebody is like, <laughs> not unless you email us. Well, they're dipping fries with one hand and they're yeah. probably on their phone in the other, you know. Um, but so it's really cool that, that they're doing that. Um, and I think, you know, for whatever the impetus or the reason is, um, I would like to attribute some of it to us being fairly tech forward and offering those options because we want to open every channel of communication with our customers, yeah. um, make sure that they have, they can get a hold of us anytime any day, anyway. Yep. 
I mean, being omni-channel, we talk about that on the show all the time, being what we call digital hospitality, responding to people no matter the platform, reducing the resistance. If someone wants to email you, you need to respond just as if someone was in real life. Um, yep. If someone wants to text message you, how do you enable text messages? All of those things are so important in this new this new world that we're living in because you know, we just can't discriminate how people get our food. And if you're selling food, if you're, you know, building influence, if you're doing things that we talk about, we want to celebrate you. We want to find out, you know, where other restaurant influences, influencers are, no matter where they are on the globe. Uh, we're going to put links to your website, your social handles, um, the Instagrams at underscore Tono MN. Um, and uh, Chaz, really appreciate your time. If you guys want to reach out to me, you can reach out at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Please join us on our weekly clubhouse calls, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Shaz will be on once his episode drops. Um, you guys can do us a huge favor by writing a review on any uh, whatever you listen to your podcast. So if it's Apple podcasts, or if you listen on Spotify, please write us a review that helps out the show a lot. And another thank you to toast for bringing incredible people into our lives for sponsoring the show and uh, for keeping digital hospitality top of mind. Thanks Jazz. And a special thank you to our title sponsor, Toast. Toast is the primary technology partner that we use at our restaurant, Cali Barbecue. It is also the primary technology partner that so many of the guests have shared with us on this show. People like Sam, the cooking guy, Stacy Poonkinney, Jeff Alexander. So many times the guests tell us that they're using Toast when we didn't even know that going into the interview. That is why we are so grateful that they sponsor this show. We want you to win. You that listen to this show, we want you to improve your digital hospitality. Toast is built for restaurants and it's built for you. Toast is the restaurant first platform that's built for your needs, whatever your size, concept or ambitions. Improve your bottom line with a customizable platform that's easy to learn, use and grow with. And it meets you where you are with all the right tools for your price point. If you have any questions about Toast, please DM me at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. I will get you the link to the right Toast contact in your market. It's so important that if you listen to this show, that you win. We want you to be on this show eventually. Let us know that you heard the show, you heard about Toast, you implemented Toast, you did a Toast unboxing in your restaurant. Talk to us about how you've impacted your village, your city, your community. Share your Toast story with us. DM me today to learn more. And be sure to check out Toast.